This episode of Radio Vet Nurse was proudly brought to you by Zilkeen. Welcome to the first birthday episode of Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast. Proudly celebrating its first birthday and over 10,000 downloads, thanks to you. Now, here's your host, Kat Robinson. You're listening to Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast for vet nurses where we tell our story. I'm your host, Kat Robinson. Vet nursing can be a tough gig, and yet we absolutely love it. So when it comes to vet nurses, who are we? How do we achieve greatness? How do we cope with the more challenging parts of our job? Radio Vet Nurse is our way to start a dialogue around these questions and to create a space where we can tell our story. Each episode, you'll hear from a different vet nurse about their personal experiences in life and in vet nursing. In this episode, I caught up with one of the most positive and energetic veterinary nurses, Ricky. Ricky started her nursing career in general practice in Albury before moving to the Sunshine Coast to work at Australia Zoo with the bird show team. Ricky was the head bird trainer at Australia Zoo and performed in the show daily. Eventually, Ricky's love for connecting with people brought her back into general veterinary practice and she now works in what has got to be one of the most beautiful beachside locations in Australia. I was initially drawn to Ricky because of her experience at Australia Zoo, but as I learned more about her, I realised this was just the tip of the iceberg. Ricky's vet nursing story is interesting because of the way she combines her nursing career with her side hustle. I'm all about the hustle. Her ability to balance these two great passions keeps her feeling enthusiastic about everything she does. Ricky's boundless energy, positivity and laughter made her a pleasure to meet and interview. I hope she leaves you feeling inspired. Hey Ricky, welcome to Radio Vet Nurse. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kat. Pleasure. So we're in beautiful Noosa. Um, we're having some first world problems here because I just had to shut the um, doors and close the blinds because we could hear the waves. <laughs> first world problems right there. It's awful, isn't it? Try working here. <laughs> I know. It really is paradise. I think um, of any of the places you could work in Australia, this is one of the most beautiful. So I can't yeah. wait to hear your story. Now, do you listen to podcasts? Yeah, actually, I do. Um I was interested when you sort of said, have a look at the Vet Nurse podcast. I was like, oh, there's Vet Nurse podcast out there. That's crazy. My podcast that I listen to, mainly motivational. I'm huge motivational on my way to work because I live in Maroochydore. Yep. So I um, drive 25 minutes to work. So my biggest thing for me in a day is to listen to some form of um, motivational or um, like a sporting sort of person and get their story. That's where I sort of listen to. But... Loved your podcast that I listened to on my way to work, so that yeah. was good. I've tried to, um, I think, mimic some of those motivational ones yep. where they are like ones like um, the Tim Ferriss show or something where he'll interview Richard Branson or Ariana Huffington and and yep. um, you hear their story and go, oh, wow, gosh, if they can do all this stuff, I should get off my butt and do some more stuff. Yeah, and it's really good hearing people's life stories too, whether they're yep. famous or not. Like it's just great to see that what they do in a day so yeah that same I want to know everything from what you're eating to yeah. like <laughs> reality you you don't are. you watch maths it's like the <laughs> yeah oh man reality tv totally it sucks you in this is I say that this that podcasts are Netflix for the ears and I really think they are yeah now where are you from and where do you currently live you're living in Maroochydore you said it's another beautiful spot in the yeah. sunshine coast yeah I'm um I'm a country girl at heart so I'm from Albury oh I'm from Wagga Oh my god, there really? We go. oh, We're wow. basically related. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good old Aubrey. Um, so I lived there for, I grew up there, um, mm-hmm. and I've lived here for six years. So yeah. in Maruchidor. 
um, which is crazy when I think about it. I'm like, well, really, six years? But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I probably wouldn't go back to Albury now that I live in paradise, I but I do love going home. What brought you up here? The zoo, Australia oh, Zoo. Yeah. Excellent. And I want to talk about that. Um, and so just to backtrack, I don't know if it is a backtrack from the zoo, but how did you get your foot in the door with vet nursing? Vet nursing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. There's a few different, I mean, they do relate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so vet nursing, I was doing year 11 um, and the local uh, vet practice. So Arthur Fronfelder, I don't know if you ever heard of him yourself. No. no? Um, very popular vet. He was also the mayor in Aubrey at one stage. Um, and the practice was called Hume Animal Hospital. Um, and I thought my dog goes there. I love animals. I'm going to go volunteer there and just clean kennels. Um, so that's what I did for every weekend. Uh, and then I started doing it before school. So super keen before school, um, (laughs) walking the dogs and cleaning the kennels for about an hour to two hours. Yeah. And then they were paying me to do it. Um, And then eventually, back in the day when it was an actual thing, um, I got given a traineeship, so like an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. Um, Nowadays, doesn't really get offered Mm. as much. Um, So yeah, I did my traineeship for four years through that animal practice, but Mm. originally volunteer work and I will always be the biggest advocate for volunteer work. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people start off volunteering in in many different industries. Yeah. Um, And so did you do your Cert 4 over that four years as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cert 3 and 4 over the four years. So I I guess definitely took a lot longer compared to what other people have done Mm -hmm. or are doing now. Um, But I felt a lot more confident and um, practised throughout that time. And you can take it slowly. Sometimes, um, I mean, I love the Cert 4 package, but sometimes when I look at what um, students should be doing when they've mm. only been with us for six months. I'm like, oh, well, I wouldn't actually probably have someone doing that for two or three years, but I can yeah. show you how to do that so we can sign you off. But yeah. I don't, I didn't necessarily think always that they're things that in the natural progression that they would be doing, um, but it's excellent that they learn how. But yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. The traineeships don't seem to be as commonplace anymore. No. But yeah, get volunteering. And then where did you go from Aubrey? Um, so again, so with the volunteering thing, I volunteered at Australia Zoo. So Mm -hmm. I went overseas for a good few months with my girlfriends, um, and thought, you know what, I'm, I always knew in my head that, or in my heart too, that I am more of an entertainment background. And originally before vet nursing, all I wanted to do was train animals and get up on a stage and (laughs) get a mic in front of me and I'm comfortable. Yeah. So, um, you know, doing a podcast isn't so scary. A few yeah. of the nurses at um, at Noosa Village Vet, they were saying, oh, my God, how are you going to go with the mic in your face? I'm like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, That's yeah. not an issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, done the volunteer work at Australia Zoo and just instantly loved it. Like, yeah. this is this is where I need to be. Um, and as soon as I, I, I did the week there, so I, I was already um, I was already qualified. I was a yeah. vet nurse already. So I'd... I was vet nursing for I think f- six years, six years before I did my voluntary work at Australia Zoo. Um, then I got a call about two months later mm-hmm. uh, offering me a job back at Australia Zoo. Um, and a lot of the time at the zoo, you had to really be in there like every day or every week and you wouldn't really get a job for 
a good few months to six months to maybe even a year for some of those people because it it is hard to get into Mm. Um, but luckily for me vet nursing came out on top and I was I was looked at a lot quicker than Mm. other people were so I'm definitely grateful for my vet nursing background Mm. to get into the zoo Mm -hmm. um, where I was for nearly five years at yeah. the zoo so yeah yeah and so were you doing the shows where they're flying around and you're yeah. saying this is the such and such a bird yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so I thought well I always thought that I would work with tigers or big animals or elephants or something like that I'm a big personality all I wanted to do was work with big animals um started I seen the bird show and as soon as I seen the show and the uh, presenters I just knew that's where I needed to be. Um, So I volunteered into the birds area and then when they asked me what my preference was, birds straight up. Um, Again, I was super lucky, whether I was lucky or whether or not they seen my potential straight away, um, they put me straight into birds, which again, birds was a little bit harder to get into, Mm -hmm. especially the bird show. Um, And pretty much learnt every bird every day I was there, just reading and Mm. researching then copying what people were saying on the uh, shows, writing down my own scripts, learning mm-hmm. the script and then just going to the main presenter or the, the boss at the time and saying, I can do the show. And <laughs> that was probably like two, three months in and everyone was sort of blown away that I was ready to get out there and do the show. But from then on, I just – I did the show like every day. That's awesome. That's mm. awesome. Um, and that's something that often comes up too with me with vet nurses who are in – Um, amazing jobs now and when I chat to them about what they did um, to get there they talk a lot about doing research on their own time and going and finding what books they can read and that sort of thing so I love seeing that drive where you're like oh I don't understand this this and this I'm gonna go home and figure it out so honestly I'm not much of a uh, a researcher everybody that knows me would would know that I don't I don't love reading so much or I don't soak it in like others um, which brings me back to when I did study um I I did struggle a lot studying um which I appreciated my uh traineeship a lot more and Mm. the and the zoo I'm so much more Mm hands-on um and I would learn 10 times more over doing something and failing Mm. um and you do fail like everybody and and you learn from that and that's the biggest way that I I learnt or, you know, a bird flew off on me and what I what do I do from here um, or how do I talk myself out of this mm. in front of 5,000 people. The or, show must go on. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Or how do, you know, how am I going to do a um, surgery that I've never done before and yeah. my teacher's watching me. Yeah. And I wouldn't say fake it till you make it, yeah. but if you're presenting yourself as confident and you, you know this, like yeah. you've done this before, you've seen the other nurses in front of you do this, then then you can do it. I think an entertainment background is handy in so many situations in life because as I was saying before, I used to play in a band when I lived in Brisbane and even bands before that when I was on my own, but I toured Australia and the world with Dub Marine and sang in front of huge audiences. And then I saw my sister-in-law like the day before yesterday when we were up here and and I said, yeah, I'll be speaking at a conference in June and this and that. And she's like, won't you be scared to get up and talk? How do you go with public talking? And I was like, Sarah, like I toured in front of like <laughs> yeah. large audiences. And she's like, oh, that's right. And I was like, and singing. Like, yeah. and she's like, oh, that's right. And I think it, it helps too. Like when we first opened our business and I didn't really know what I was talking about, I could at least be confident. And, yeah. and even if all I was saying was, I have no idea, I'll find out and get 
back to you, yeah. I wasn't like, um, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, so exactly. I think it's handy to have that kind of showbiz kind of front at yeah, times. Yeah. And it does, it does work hand in hand with, um, my vet nursing too. So when I came, when I left the zoo and I thought, yeah, I want to go back into vet nursing, I thought, oh, is it going to be too slow for me? Like, yeah. am I going to enjoy it again? Mm. Um, and I was a little bit worried to, you know, I, I'm not going to be up on a stage and where am I going to get my kicks from and whatever else. But that's where, you know, the reception side of things really do matter. Uh, mm. A lot of people go into vet nursing and think that, you know, I love animals and mm. I just want to help animals and I want to cuddle them and I want to do the surgery and mm. and it's not all about that. Mm. Um, I prefer reception. I do love surgery. I, I get my kicks from that and, you know, it's great up there and, and whatever else. But reception is where I can chat to people and mm. I don't put on a front but I get mm. to really be myself and mm-hmm. have a chat and mm. entertain I guess and I agree it's also if, if we're in it because we love animals and everything we also are in it because well, I hope we're in it because we love people and a huge yeah. part of it is the fear that people have of dropping their pet off for a for day surgery or a yeah. night surgery and so it's really important to be able to allay their concerns and I think that's a position of privilege to be able yeah. to come out in the morning and people say trust us hey you know we got his blankie from home and yeah. he's gonna be fine we're gonna tuck him in and you know you don't have to worry at all and just to see them go oh okay and we all know what it's like to go into a place where someone might be going to perform a medical procedure on you or maybe it's a beauty procedure and you see something just in the reception side that makes you think oh man they're gonna botch me (laughs) so it's really important I think for reception to have that front because that's how they often are judging the skills of the surgeon and the cleanliness of the theatre and all of that so so do you want to describe for me your um for for everyone where you work at the moment and what's your role and what you do from day to day now that we're touching on that yeah yeah um yeah sorry just slow me down sometimes okay (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so I work at Noosa Village Vet uh, and we've been open for two years, I, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. So with Dr. Peter Serpentine, mm-hmm. um, he's a South African with that last name. He's got to be Safa. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's a great guy. So, yeah, we opened two years ago and we opened up from scratch. So he awesome. came from, uh, a, was doing locomin work down at Maroochydore and pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had no clients to begin with. And uh, I actually found out from a vet nurse um, at the wildlife hospital at the zoo mm-hmm. that she knows a, a vet that wants some nurses, he's about to open. So I teed up an interview with him. Um, yeah, we we met up and, and whatnot here in Noosa and I thought, oh, God, this would be great if I could work in Noosa mm. because, you know, Noosa is just amazing. Mm. And um, he went and showed me the, the uh, clinic and it was just a shell and I was like oh no I'm gonna need to stay at the zoo for a little bit longer because this is not gonna be ready Uh, but it was ready within like two weeks and I was there cleaning and you know getting it all ready and whatnot and having our opening day and um, originally, uh, funny enough, I was going to the Noosa uh, dog beach to hand out pamphlets. Um, so that was my job day to day. Awesome. Going to the dog beach. It was wonderful. Smart thinking. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> I brought my dog down there and, you know, handed out free consult pamphlets. Um, and then I did some pamphlet dropping around, you know, the Noosa homes. And luckily for me, I love snooping out the, the nice houses here and what, <laughs> what I can do for my house. So I was really enjoying having a look at all the houses in Noosa. Mm. Um, so, yeah, pamphlet dropping um, for a good 
five to six months or even nearly a year we were we were pretty quiet Mm -hmm. Uh, and we had our regular clients coming in and we really do appreciate those guys that know me and Pete from the get-go and um and now we're just we're crazy busy and Mm. we're really thankful that word of mouth is the biggest thing in Noosa and it's such a tight little knit community that um yeah word of mouth has been the best thing for us so Day-to-day changed for me regularly mm. as we got busier. Mm-hmm. Um, my dog was coming to the clinic with me every day. Um, he was the face of the clinic. People loved him. <laughs> All of a sudden, he had to stay home and he didn't know what was going too on. Too busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> too busy. Couldn't, couldn't come in with me. Um, and now we have uh, three vets. So Pete what? himself. Yeah, oh, I, I know. didn't know that. <laughs> Crazy. Pete himself and um, two part-time vets. Um Myself as a nurse, I work uh, three to four days a week there mm-hmm. um, and two other nurses as well. Uh, one who's been with us for a good year now um, and then uh, two younger girls who have really, one's just qualified and a few of the girls that are coming through the train that are uh, volunteering pretty much or doing yep. their placement, so yep. to say, yeah, mm-hmm. with their TAFE. Um, so yeah, it's, it's busy and we've got about three nurses and two vets on every day. So that's awesome. Mm. That's really rapid growth because when I looked, when I was looking into who I would interview in Noosa, because I knew we were coming here after the conference and I looked at the big hospital and then I looked at Noosa village vets and I was like, Oh, it reminds me of ready vet, how ready vet opened because we just had Matt and myself and basically one other nurse, a couple of other part-timers. And yeah. it was so quiet when we first opened. Like Matt and I used to sometimes go and have a nap. In the middle oh, of the trust day. me. I think me and Pete have done the same thing. Yep, yep. Yeah, your turn. And um, <laughs> and I think we had a part-time vet in the second year, but then she had um, kids and then it took us a while to recruit another. And now we're two vets, three nurses every day. But it's taken us, yeah, probably six years to get to that. But it is, a, I mean, we could have, been at that earlier but it's a bit harder to attract vets to far north queensland than to noosa <laughs> yeah exactly well pete and his wife um colette and their new well at the time it was a newborn baby maggie um they pretty much just moved to noosa from rocky okay, um, yeah and started fresh and so they had like this newborn baby a family-owned practice and they've just opened and yeah so it's it was petrifying I'm so glad it worked out so well for them yeah, um, yeah. and I'm really keen to look at the practice too because I know it's like an older building that you guys have renovated and yeah it looks really lovely so yeah. I'm excited to see your practice I wish that I could steal that the style was all me but it's definitely Pete's wife <laughs> she has a good eye for style so yeah. and he doesn't actually like anything on the walls so you'll notice that it's very clean in there very white and black yeah. and um it's very boutique it's it's beautiful yeah. that's one of our rules too when we have reps come and they want to put posters up everywhere cool. they, they know the rules now we're like Good. no posters we will have no diagrams <laughs> about gastrointestinal worms Who wants we to might read have that? a piece of art <laughs> so i think that might be why i like the look of it i was like this yeah. is familiar so and we're kind of boutique as well oh, so cool. um matt and i are going to do a walkthrough tomorrow and i'm really pumped because we're nice. super nerds and we can't go on holiday without being like <laughs> what vet could we go look at <laughs> well Sad. that is that <laughs> sad. sad or exciting if you have your own vet practice I guess that you yeah. want to I mean it's know. sad that we're so geeky but it's exciting <laughs> to go <laughs> uh fantastic and for you what's the best part of your job at Noosa Village Vet um I am a super busy person so I actually am a personal trainer as well um, so I do that in Maroochydore where uh, me and my husband uh, run a gym down there. Awesome. So um, when I 
come up to Noosa Village Vet and I sort of, uh, I'm, yeah, I guess I do. I go into autopilot a little bit. Um, I've, I'm really comfortable in, in my job here. Um, it makes me happy. We have a really, really great team. I get along so well with my boss, mm-hmm. um, which is, it's not unheard of, but nowadays sometimes it, it is, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, really nice to get along with everybody and have a good laugh and feel super comfortable mm-hmm. and um, and needed and wanted as well as everybody wants that mm-hmm. in their job. Um, so going to work is never... Um, is never a hassle for me. Mm-hmm. It's always a really pleasant thing. So I think while I could probably be busier doing PT stuff um, and, you know, I could probably earn a lot more money too. Mm-hmm. It's not about the money with vet nursing for me and I think that's what a lot of people, uh, young people coming into it has, have to remember. Mm. Um, you definitely don't do nursing or even vet for, mm, that's for that right. matter, that's um, right. for the money. For the um, money, yeah. And... Yeah, you really do have to love your job and and love the people that you work with. And I definitely, I definitely love where I live, where I work, the people and the animals and the clients. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty lucky. Yeah, and I'm interested to talk to you about your side hustle as well because you originally just told me that you were doing PT, but it's far more than that. I've now <laughs> realised <laughs> from Instagram, yeah. you have like your own clothing line, and yeah, you and your husband have a gym and. I'm interested to talk about how that all fits together because um, for a lot of nurses that I speak to who are stressed about money or their lack of money or they're stressed about um, just the general pressures of the job and and how their identity is totally tied up in vet nursing and um, a a lot of the strategies I hear from other nurses is to have another interest that's separate from vet nursing and to have your own identity that's away from vet nursing and then financially I'm always like well think about a side hustle like you can supplement your income and do something totally different and it can also leave you feeling fresh so that when you go back to nursing you're not drained because this is the fifth or sixth day in the week that you're doing that so I mean guess I guess starting with my next question but building from there so I want to know your routine when you wake up in the morning and how you set yourself up for the day but I want to know how you balance the PT stuff um, in the morning with um, getting to work three four days a week as well and how on a whole like that fits in for you yeah I mean I definitely have to be careful um that I don't burn out uh and sometimes I I have to be to be honest um so I guess I'll start with my waking up in the morning I'm up by 5 a.m every morning uh and I'll either have a group session that I'll run um and I run my groups with the live fit program um who is in the gym who works through the gym as well mm-hmm. um which is another great boss I guess I'm lucky with both aspects but um so I run my groups in the morning or uh, a PT so a one-on-one PT and you know we get to choose um we get to choose what we do every day and mm-hmm. if I don't want to take a client that drains me or you know I, I just can't help them or you know and you do get those people um then I then I won't because I can't physically help somebody and then keep myself going as well for the day and be good in my second job which Mm. is my nursing Mm. so otherwise I'd be you know I wouldn't be helpful in any of Mm. my my work access so Mm. um so yeah I'm up at five um I do my group or PT I get home I have my Wheaties and I think I've been having my wheat beaks for like 
a year and a half now every day <laughs> um but I never get sick of it it actually really excites me um, I thought you were so, going to say like for 28 years or something. <laughs> no. Oh God, do a podcast later and I'll tell you if I'm still yeah, going. Yeah. Um, and then I get in my car and drive to Noosa, which is 25 minutes. Yeah. As I mentioned, I listen to podcasts. Yeah, awesome. Um, and that really starts me for the day. Sometimes if I'm tuning out in the podcast, I know that my, my mind's just not with it yeah. um, and I'll put on a really good beat that I need to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um and that will be my sort of starter. But I definitely do need that me time. And I think that's why I like coming to Noosa. So mm. a lot of people sort of say, you know, oh, how do you drive there every morning and then back? And it's only 25 minutes. Pe- mm. I'm not in traffic like no. in the city. Um, and it does really wind me down before I actually start my job rather than just going bang, bang. Yeah. And n- need to change over my, you know, my role. Um get my coffee every morning and yeah I start with a big smile on my face walk into the vet and like I said it is a great practice to work out and it's yep. not so toxic mm. um so it's it's it starts me off very fresh and I don't have to walk into a toxic environment which is a massive issue how do you think in a vet you achieve that culture within your practice that is a non-toxic culture that's a really good question and it's a really tough question to answer um I think that it has to start from the top Um, as uh, the vet or the owner of the practice or even as a practice manager. um, You need to make sure that people, like you said, people are doing something for themselves before they just come to the to the vet Mm. um so you know for me it's training other people or I might even fit in my own workout as well which I do love when I get the chance I'll jump on it and do a workout because for me that releases endorphins and endorphins make you happy and um that's probably the PT side of me coming out Mm. but um I would always encourage somebody to you know as a especially with a vet clinic uh sort of environment it's very enclosed you're all really close together Mm. um it can be very stressful at times as well um exercise in the morning or in the afternoon to be able to release those endorphins and release that energy that you know you've been holding up or a walk with your dog um or a walk to get a coffee or something to give yourself rather than just waking up straight away from bed um, and being flustered and ironing your shirt and eating breakfast and getting in the car and then just going and everything is just in such a rush mm. um, that you're not actually allowing yourself to to just give yourself a bit of time before you actually have to go into a, a toxic environment or mm. a happy environment. Either one, mm. you really do have to give yourself that little bit of uh, stress relief before you do go into work, yeah. whatever work, I think. Yeah, now that I think about it, before we had our business, I was a lawyer in Brisbane and I, at all of the firms I ever worked at, I always got a membership discount card for a gym. Yeah. And now that I think about it, that's going to be better for your whole workforce because you're going to have people with higher immunity and people with, you know, better mental states. Yeah. And so maybe we should get behind that in the veterinary that, industry. Exactly. And that, that brings me to another, I guess, another side hustle that I do, um, when I am doing my PT, the main thing that I'm sort of concentrating on at the moment is corporate training. So yeah, I'm right. actually going yeah. to go knock on a few um, corporate, you know, vet clinics, yep. um, big ones like Yui or even, you know, whatever it may be, doesn't mm. matter, cafes as well, mm. um, and offer a, you know, a workout with them as a group as mm. well. So something that they can 
not necessarily they need to bond, but um, something that they can share as well. Like, oh, how good was that fitness? Mm. Can't wait for um, Ricky to come back and do another boot camp with us before we begin our day. Like, how good yeah. was that day? Doing something other than like, yeah. like wrestling a, a patient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And honestly, like it really does when you are fitter in the uh, in any industry, mm. we are lifting dogs and stuff as yep. well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it does it does help. You don't need to be super fit to lift a dog. You can get all hands on deck, but it yeah. does help yep. when you, you know, yeah. do a workout. And yeah, I saw this super easier. buff chick at the um, gala <laughs> dinner at the VNCA conference and I was with one of my nurses and I was like, look at her, she is built. And she's like, stop pointing. And so I went over to her and I wasn't drunk or anything. Like I'm pregnant, I wasn't drinking. So oh, I, thank you. So I went over to her and I was like, you have the most muscly arms and legs. You must be really good at picking up dogs. And she's <laughs> like, I am. Everybody gets me to do the lift and yeah. to reach high things. Like, And she was like pumped that I was noticing. <laughs> and I was like, you have just got the perfect physique for a vet nurse. Like nothing would be any trouble. And then she was like yeah thanks hey and then she walked away and my nurse was like oh my god cat you're like no and I was like what she she dug it I dug it like yeah. we, we all need to I can see what happens when I've got like two weedy little nurses dragging a 50 kilo dog <laughs> post you know total exactly. dead weight post up I'm like oh man this is bad and I've done my back at work doing something so simple like before the proper before the really effective tick prevention and we used to have heaps and heaps of paralyzed tick dogs to look after and we would be you know spending a hot like you know two three months straight just lifting paralyzed dogs in and out and expressing their bladders and back in and then I think one day I just crunched an ear tattoo and my whole back and neck went as as easy as that I hurt my back the other day and I am fit and I do you know work out but it's when you just stuff and yeah. you don't even think about it yeah I think that'd be a great idea for a side hustle for vet clinics because you could also get people doing like vet clinic geared <laughs> like you know squats with like exactly. lifting a 20 kilo it's medicine ball and yeah <laughs> <laughs> squat and deadlift if you could if I could train everyone to do that you'll be fine yeah. I often think there'd be a good um, vet nurse olympics where you could have things like the urine catch like <laughs> <laughs> we've got like a soup ladle that we walk around the yard following them with and sometimes you've like got to dive into a bush like just to catch it I'm like, this should this be an Olympic sport. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, um, that reminds me though, um, with our vet clinic, we actually have a lift. Oh. So we're, got, we're a double story. So um, walking dogs, paralyzed dogs, or, you know, arthritic dogs or anything upstairs is mm-hmm. not possible. So yeah. we actually have a little doggy lift, which is quite... Oh, a doggy lift. Because yeah. Matt said to me, I want to know how they got around the, the stairs because he could see that you have stairs. So yeah. do you, does anyone go in with the dog? No, oh. no. So it was um, approved for a certain weight oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and the size, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and yeah, so the that's a little doggy lift. We I do remember when uh, Pete was going through all of the council regulations that there was going to be a ramp instead, but the ramp had to be out a certain distance and yeah. all around the building. Yeah, and yeah. Once you get that gradient, yeah, because we looked at that at our house too to get a ramp coming up you know just our stairs and basically it would have had to be like halfway down the paddock yeah. to be at the right gradient yeah. and everything so. and everybody's very um blown away when we show them our little lift <laughs> <laughs> i have read it like once or twice of course <laughs> of course you've got to test it out and yeah. make sure it's safe for the animals and <laughs> i think pete just put me in there like here you try it <laughs> Oh, she's stuck. Oh, well. Uh, I can't wait to see that. Now, I guess I think I can guess the answer here, but what weekly or daily habit makes your life better? Yeah, exercise. exercise. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
eating well, exercise. Um, you know, like I said, I, I do burn out from time to time um, and I do have to take a step back a little bit every now and then, um, especially my busy days at the vet. Like sometimes mm. I, I, well, on a daily basis, I'll do my morning PTs, go to the vet and then actually leave the vet and straight back to the gym. Oh, every day. Mostly every day, yeah. yeah. So is your gym, is your husband there all day training yeah, people? Yeah, so he's the too? manager. He's the manager, um, yeah. And he, yeah, trains people in the morning sometimes and in the afternoon um, and does sort of, he does the shift, the management shift. So he, I guess he kind of does something similar to me where he has that middle of the day where he's working at the, the gym and sometimes on his... Um, end of shift he'll do some pts and things as well um but yeah mainly he just he's the man that you go to if if something's going wrong with the gym yeah and what time do you finish up at the gym of an afternoon it really depends on my day um but some days are bigger than others so tonight i'll be going back and and doing a, a one-on-one pt uh so i'll finish there by uh, i'll start her at 5 30 p.m and oh finish gosh. by 6 15 wow um maybe get my own little workout in I don't know it depends how I feel I do have to sort of listen to my body sometimes and not overdo it uh and then Wednesday's a pretty big day actually my Thursdays are probably the biggest which is a 5 a.m start two groups in the morning 9 a.m vet to 4 30 p.m and then back to the gym by a 5 30 class and a 6 30 class so I don't finish till 7 30 which is a massive day so anyone who thinks they can't get to the gym before or after work <laughs> and I'll get my own workout in so oh there's no God. excuses there really is no <laughs> excuses and how do you fit in time to have your own clothing label it's like a well that's just fresh actually Kat that's really fresh so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up though because it's a bit exciting for me that's um you know when you talk about side hustle and and doing other things that's definitely something for myself Mm -hmm. um I do love training people and I love bettering people and and making them better about themselves um Mm -hmm. and then you know bringing that into the vet world and making uh, little animals better and everything else and um but the clothing label is called gunner fit um and my dog's name's actually called gunner excellent Um, is it like i'm gonna do it yeah Yeah. gonna be great gonna do it (laughs) whatever you kind of want to you know slogan whatever you want to use with it um which is what excited me about it and i thought yeah let's just roll with it i love gunner fit um i like the whole look of the gf sign um and I always wanted to have um, my own sporting or active wear. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's just sort of like a dream that came with the zoo Um, ages ago when I knew that I wanted to train animals. I just always wanted a clothing or active line. Um, So I just did it. And now, um, yeah, we've got it and I love it. And it's just about pumping it now, I guess. But it's not to make lots of money with it mm. that's for sure mm. it's just to have my own name and logo mm-hmm. out there and it's a really great feeling when you see somebody wearing yeah something that you know you've worked really hard on for the last six months to a year yeah um they're wearing it and they're telling me how much they love it and yeah it's, it's great and I'm a big uh, I'm a bit nerdy when it comes to side hustles like I love I've listened to a lot of podcasts about them and I think it's the age of 
the personal brand and the side hustle and there really there really are no limits and even if yeah. you can't see the end goal of what you want to do if you start building your personal brand and even as you say now if it's not um, making a huge profit or anything like that it's yeah. still getting your brand out there so that yeah. 10 years from now or five years from now when you're like oh this is what I want to do then yeah. people already know who you are and what you're doing because they've been seeing people in gonna fit clothing and that exactly. sort of thing so and it's it's something that I um I wanted to put what can I put animals and, um, you know, being active or mm. loving being in my tights and crop and my runners mm-hmm. and not even doing a workout, just wanting to live in my, <laughs> live in my tights because of the comfiest thing ever. Yeah. Um, and how do I put, bring that together? Like how yeah. can I possibly bring my animals and my um, workouts and, you know, that sort of lifestyle together and mm-hmm. that's what I come up with. And yeah. um, I love that it has a background of animal and active and and your dog and like walking along the beach yeah, in the sunshine exactly. coast with your dog and your active yeah. wear and yeah I agree active wear is awesome when I um after I had my first son and I couldn't fit into any of my clothes I lived in active yeah, wear because it absolutely. sucks you in <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like go to catch up with girlfriends and they're like Kat have you been exercising today no, I'm like I'm nope I'm here to have coffee and cake <laughs> and I'm sucked in in my tights and <laughs> perfect it's the best and yeah. that's the thing I do really love wearing something not just myself but um you know my friends or whoever buys it from me um they say to me I just felt so good in my active wear today like yeah. I, I love my gunner fit tights or I love my gunner fit crop it keeps my breastfeeding boobs in or yeah. it keeps my tummy in like whatever it may be yeah. but they feel good in it and that's yeah. um that excites me yeah and I'll put a link in the show notes to like all of your Instagrams and everything like that so people can see um, your PT stuff and your gonna fit and your clothing stuff and yeah. also what you're doing with the corporate um, events I saw you training some army people yeah um you know and this awesome video on your Instagram recently yeah, thank you and I'll put a link to Noosa Village Vets as well so people can see this beautiful boutique practice in yeah. gorgeous Noosa so yeah thank you no worries and that's all super exciting now I'm going to ask if you have any strange habits or superstitions. <laughs> you know, I seen this question. And I was like, oh my god, I'm going to be stumped on this one. I, I think I'm a bit weird, like in everything. Like I think <laughs> the, <laughs> everything. I th- yeah, I don't know if I'm like. I don't think I have any um, crazy. I think I just talk so much, and I'm just too happy for some people that it kind of annoys them a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can think of anything off the top of my head. Um, and I did actually see your question that when you sent it to me and I was like, oh, my God, why can't I think of anything? I feel like I'm just weird in in a lot of things that I do. So but. many of the nurses that I interview are massive talkers. Like <laughs> so often my problem is like, oh, my God, I've got to edit 15 minutes yeah. off this just to get Ricky, it to an hour and a half. <laughs> no, you're doing all right. Sometimes I have to be like, stop. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that that's um, – I don't know, maybe – it's. I'm interested to hear when I get the same common answers because I'm like, I wonder if that's chicken or egg. Like I wonder if, yeah. if you're like that and your personality, you were drawn to that or if I just happen to be picking the ones who, who are the same as me and want to keep talking. <laughs> Probably. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think that, yeah, you're probably, um, I know what you mean when you're like everything because you mean your whole outlook on life is super high energy and positive, which is excellent. So, and I think that that's a really good um, good way to be when you're working with animals because they can really sense that. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, definitely. I um, I would never say that I'm a stress head in the, in the um, 
vet world. Um, I've been around a lot of vets and vet nurses that are really stressy um, and it stresses other people out and mm-hmm. then it stresses the animal out. Um, that's the one thing that I just, I'm just really not stressed. I can be very stressy in other aspects of my life, um, which I'm sure my sister will tell you that, I, that I'm a stress <laughs> head from time to time or my husband. Um, mm. But when it comes to, you know, the most stressful situation in vet practice or there's an animal, you know, crashing on an anaesthetic, I somehow or for some reason handle it very well like mm. I'm just not a stress head mm. yeah maybe you learn with a good vet because I've learned that too like in the early days I'd see something like a patient crashing or brown snake patient or whatever and I would be like why are they not freaking out like looking at Matt and the more experienced nurse or nurses and then I quickly learned that and I learned how to just kind of slow time down and yeah. just deal with the most um, pressing issue. And then and Matt, my husband, is really chill. So I think because I've just learned that way. But I have seen locums come in from time to time and one of my nurses will be assisting with surgery and then I'll grab them after surgery and just be like, everything all right? How did it go? And they'll be like obviously stressed like my nurses will be so tense and so freaking and just being like oh that wasn't cool and it wasn't that anything went wrong it was just that the vet was super stressy and wanting them like oh should I give it more anesthetic should I turn it down what's she doing now how deep is she it definitely depends on on your vet that you're working with as well and other nurses around you definitely um you do I think um working with a few different head nurses and stuff as well you, you do have to um trust them too and and not pick up whether or not they're stressing out that you know sometimes you can always turn that around and I think that's been the biggest thing for me learning is that if there is another nurse or another vet I do have the ability to de-stress them or Mm, calm them down that's right that's Um, right and I don't know where I honestly couldn't tell you how I learned that or mm. where I learned that. It might have it might just be the personality that I am or I don't really like handling I don't I don't take Am I allowed to say the word shit? <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, I don't take much from people. So if they're, yeah. if they're carrying on a little bit, I'll kind of, I'll try to nip it straight away. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah pull guess. your head in. Yeah. yeah. And it's so important too for, um, for patients. Like one of the lectures I went to at the latest conference was on anesthesia and it was how important, what a difference it makes to keep your patient calm leading up to um, induction and how it affects the, how much um, anesthetic agent they'll need, how much induction agent they'll need, how much pain relief, relief they'll need. And I then thought back, that's right, when I had my last GA, everyone was super nice and super calm when I walked into the theatre and that's obviously for a reason. And then I thought how important it is for us to be calm, you know, when we are taking patients into theatre and inducing them and and if you're noticing that your vet or your fellow vet or nurses are are stressy you do have to do what you're saying and be yeah. like all right everybody it's not so bad now we've got a patient let's all focus like yeah. let's worry about that later mrs smith can wait yeah exactly yeah, yeah. well I, I agree with that too and can you think of a purchase made by you or your employer that's positively impacted your vet nurse life in recent memory and aside from the lift which is obviously amazing <laughs> the elevator yeah i guess i can't really mention that now I have um um if we're talking like material materialistic sort of things um, it would have to be well for me, and probably even Pete as well, is the um, the X ray machines. So obviously, you know, vet practices they all have X ray machines, but 
coming from a vet clinic that had to do it the old school way, so the dip, the dip, the however, whatever else we did that took like half an hour to do one x-ray. Is that in Aubrey? In Aubrey, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and going from a cassette to straight into the hatch and it's right up on the digital, it's right on the computer, I was like blown away by that. Yeah. And Pete was like, how old are you? Like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I've never experienced this. Um, it made x-ray life 10 times easier and I was like oh my god this is the best purchase ever so for that that like x-ray material wise yeah that would be the best purchase but if we're talking now um as we've been busier and and obviously we can get a lot more equipment um it was probably getting more anesthetic machines um which was a massive thing so back when we first started me and Pete were just doing you know one surgery at a time with one Mm. anesthetic machine and wheeling it to the one place wheeling it to the other like Mm. things took a lot longer Mm -hmm. um and now we're actually able to knock out animals while you know that vet's doing that and we're doing this so that would be awesome yeah i i can relate to the x-ray machine too because when we first opened um we had um cassettes that we used to run down to the human yeah (laughs) the human um radiology place and get them to develop them for us and then um but it was terrible because if if you didn't get a clear image or the patient moved or whatever you didn't know until you got it back and then but whereas now you can just feed it straight through and be like no we need to do that again straighten her up or whatever so and if you get the exposure wrong you can kind of just yeah adjust it yeah i know that uh, that blew me away i was like whoa yeah we don't need to do it again what we used to doing like <laughs> 10 more <laughs> yeah that's excellent well that's I, I can relate to that purchase and it's not cheap it's an expensive oh, purchase very, too yeah. so that was the other thing like I learned a lot um opening with Pete on how much equipment costs and mm. the appreciation of it a lot of nurses don't mm-hmm. actually appreciate or know the cost of things oh, when you're opening yeah. a practice yeah um yeah, and that was a real – and I'm really appreciative of Pete allowing me to be involved in all of those purchases as well because yep. I learnt how much more we need to be cleaning that or we need yeah, to be looking after that. That's right. So, how do we maintain that? Yeah. And it's hard when you're open because you've got to have enough cash flow that you can keep paying your bills and paying your wages yeah. but then you want to save up we to get the to next wait. toy. Yep. And same with us. We constantly have four or five things that we want like, oh, we want another Nikki pump or we want yeah. a bear hugger or want another anesthetic machine but then I'm the one looking in the bank going, oh, you can't get Matt, that if you break your arm and we need to get a locum, like that's our buffer. And yeah. so it is good to have that appreciation and it's good when vets um, – share that like we had our the first vet we employed I think in the second year we were open part-time I showed her like the end of day takings one day and showed her just mainly the difference of one client that she did an annual health check and she didn't sell worming or parasite like external internal parasite prevention then the client came up to me and as they were fixing up I noticed on the invoice that it wasn't on there and I think I'd already finalized the first invoice and then I said, oh, did you need this or that? And she said, yeah. And I sold her all of that. And there was a second invoice and it was the same as what the annual health check had been. And so I showed her at the end of the day, you've got to talk about parasite prevention. You can see that what I've billed is the same as what you build. And she was amazed at that. But then she looked at me like almost with tears in her eyes going, thank you for showing me this. I've never been allowed to see this like anywhere I've worked because I think some vets are worried that you'll see, oh my God, this is how much money they take every day. But that's why it's also important to show people here's the drug bill and yeah. hey, can oh, you we research? Just got our drug bill. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. and can you research that new 
piece of equipment we want and like find the five best and narrow it down and then you go oh my god they cost between 10 and 15 thousand dollars and so yeah I think it is important to share that and as you say then nurses are more compelled um, to take better care of it even instruments like we've recently bought some more just like hand instruments for orthopedics and stuff and you're like that costs what yeah and when things go missing like we were just looking for our scaler just before I came here uh, because we had to change it over and, and I just went and ordered another one, $400 or something like that for just the scalar. And we're like, oh, okay, so this is why we need to find the other scalar. Yeah, let's keep looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and can you tell me about a time when you were able to turn defeat into victory? This could be in a personal or professional capacity. Um, I guess uh, there's all been there's been a lot of um, defeat and victory, I guess, in my life with you know, in the PT world, um, in my work, just my body and um, health and fitness as well. Um, And my clients in the PT world too, you know, losing however much weight and and being forever grateful and learning how to, you know, eat properly and work out and all of that. So that's definitely um, victory for me um, and really rewarding. Um, In the vet world, um, the, the, the biggest thing that sticks with me is um, like a surgical case actually and um, it was um, a schnauzer uh, and they were pretty much our first clients. So uh, I was really raw coming straight into vet nursing after the zoo. So I went from vet nursing, zoo for five years, back to vet nursing and I thought, oh my God, I'm in way over my head. I, I need to go back and study. What am I doing? But it was just like, riding a horse I just jumped straight back on and I I was comfortable um but we had this one client that yeah I think was maybe a one in five clients that we had at the time so super fresh into the week that we pretty much first opened Mm -hmm. um and we were doing this bacterial sort of cleanse thing um with its you know a fungal infection in its nose or whatever but Mm. it was it was a long ish it wasn't it wasn't technical or anything like that, but it was really long. Um, they were under the uh, general anaesthetic and I was monitoring the schnauzer and whatnot. And um, as we were waking him up, he had a reaction to the um, the stuff that we used um, and was waking him up. Everything was fine. Tube was coming out. Yep, all good. Anyway, the animal crashed straight away. Pete, Pete went down. This was literally our first surgery. Like, oh, my God. First surgery from opening. Like, could you imagine if this dog, you know, didn't make it and that was our first one? Like, we wouldn't have been open for long. Mm. But, um, yeah, it was crashing and Pete was downstairs at the time. I was monitoring and I just grabbed the dog. Like, instincts just kicked in and tubed straight back again, like, straight away. Got back on the table. I was by myself because, you know, we didn't have all of the other nurses around. Um, straight back on oxygen and I think I was there uh, so it was like a 11 o'clock surgery and I was still waking the dog up um, and monitoring it and or tubing it and taking it out like you know doing everything we possibly could to get this dog woken up with oh, that wasn't still an anesthetic mm. breathing by himself um, and we we're there till about 5 30 6 o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon and finally off the anesthetic at that stage obviously um and breathing for himself but with a track um tracheotomy oh my god so yeah we we tried for a while and yeah we had to go straight in but funny enough we didn't actually have any you know stuff for a tracheotomy so we had to use an et tube as 
a lot of vets do. But at the time I was like, oh my God, what is Pete going to do? I haven't seen this done in ages. We don't have any equipment. Like, am I a really bad vet nurse? I haven't ordered anything like that. So I was freaking out a little bit, which was, you know, the, probably the only time in my life where I started to really stress because I just come back from the zoo and I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? This is not the bird this show. This is not the bird show. <laughs> yeah, I cannot present my way out of this. Like, this is real life. Um, and yeah, we, anyway, the dog was fine. We, we, um, he, he woke up, had a tracheotomy and um, yeah, he, he recovered really well. Um, and we pretty much, I, I didn't have lunch and none of us had lunch that day. And it was all very, very stressful. And pretty much me and Pete just said that, you know, well, if that <laughs> was going to be the worst of it, like, I think we're going to be okay. Like we're going to stay open and this is going to work really well. Mm. And I guess that was the first time too, me and Pete actually had to work under pressure together. So yeah. I sort of knew then like, oh, this vet's great. He's cruisy. Like yeah. he's not stressing at all. Meanwhile, like we were pretty, we were pretty stressed, <laughs> but he pulled through and everything's good. So that's. How was the client? Awesome. awesome. They're actually yeah, really good. good friends with, um, with Pete. Yeah. Um, yeah. They bring a little present for his daughter Maggie every birthday or Christmas, yeah. and they bring us wine and everything yeah. else every every uh, Chrissy, and yeah. they're great. They just live around the corner, and um, I think they've definitely been ones to um, word of mouth and tell yeah. everybody about what happened to yeah. their schnauzer and <laughs> and how we saved its life. Isn't so, it funny? We our very first surgery too was. I mean, it's never been diagnosed, but we're pretty sure it was a um, a von Willebrand's dog spay yeah oh my god (laughs) so it was like a doberman of course yes pup and we spayed her and like this client was on the doorstep at eight o'clock on the first day we opened and we were like how the hell have we got a surgical case and we went ahead and did it and you know Matt had been locoming everywhere like smashing out spays and you know neuters and working all over Australia and working at other practices for years. And this patient um, just, you know, woke up cold and, um, you know, poor poor perfusion and, um, you know, pale gums and, you know, temperature wasn't coming up. She was a bit groggy. She didn't want to walk. And we were like, oh, we'd better keep her overnight. So we rang the owner. And then I said to Matt, like, what's going on? And then I think, um, you know, he, he decided that she was bleeding internally and that we would have to open her up again. And he was looking for slipped ligatures, but there were none. And so he was thinking Von Willebrands and we wanted to, to do that work up, but the owner didn't want to. But I just remember, I think, I, I don't remember how he treated it the first night, but the next morning was when he was like, he was like, okay, well, we're going to have to open her up and we're going to have to take dog in and take a take blood from him and transfuse it into her. And I was like, if this is our first surgery yeah. and these are the complications, like, I cannot do this. I can't do like, <laughs> like, But you pushed through. But we pushed through and, like, it was just the bad luck you just of have, it, hey. Yeah, yeah. and you, you have to do it. And you're right. I think you have to, like, take the, the positives away that, like, oh, no, I can nurse. I can just tube this dog again and, and he can be a vet. And we didn't let this patient die and it wasn't just in a in – a cage on its own you know quietly crashing and yeah things um, happen and it's yeah. the way you deal with them and yeah yeah, yeah. well here's to like crazy <laughs> surgical cases and <laughs> must be a thing not losing the patient uh, are you happy if we take a quick break yeah. and come back i need yeah. to get over the, those memories <laughs> and the <laughs> vicarious ones of the schnauzer <laughs> yeah no, all good sounds good support for radio vet nurse comes from zilkeen it's a supplement for cats and dogs that can help with stressful or unpredictable 
stressful situations. You know the ones, thunderstorms, travel, multi-cat households, all those triggers. Zilkine contains alpha-cazozapine to help keep the animal calm. It's the same molecule that helps keep newborns calm after breastfeeding. It's palatable and easy to give. I mix it into my dog's food. Some behavioral issues are severe and Zilkine probably won't help these, but it works well for many pets in stressful situations. Worth a try, right? Support for Radio Vet Nurse comes from you, if you like. You can help too by scoring yourself some eco-friendly and oh-so-chic Radio Vet Nurse merch. Head to my website, radiovetnurse.com, and check out my glass reusable coffee keep cup. I've also got a lightweight, shatter-resistant glass water bottle. All with Radio Vet Nurse logo, so we know we're in the club. Wink, wink. That's all. Carry on. Welcome back, Ricky. What advice would you give to someone about to enter the world of vet nursing? Good question. Um, Yeah, I guess I I think I mentioned it to you before at the start, Kat, that, you know, you can't just go into something just just because you love animals. Mm -hmm. Um, I think volunteering and really knowing what that exactly, that's exactly what I want to do with Mm. my life. Um, And I knew from when I volunteered um, that, I didn't want a vet nurse forever. Mm. Um, I needed to get to the zoo and I wanted to work in a zoo. So I made sure that I did that. So I guess I would always, I'm always a bit of a goal setter and I like to set big goals, little goals and, you know, big dream goals that people think that I'm never going to achieve. But I'll always make sure that one, I'll do in little steps to get there. Um, And that's the biggest thing. If you... If your passion is animals, um, figure it out what it is with the animals that mm. you want to actually do because sometimes um, vet nursing isn't for everybody um, and I can definitely say there's a lot of vet nurses out there that shouldn't be mm. yeah. um, or they need to stop because they've lost their love for it yeah. um, and all of a sudden it becomes very bitter to them. Yeah. Um, and that's with everything. I think you know you can become real bitter in the industry but as long as you're – um, as long as you're looking after your health and your mm. well-being and your mental state, then I don't think you could ever, you know, fall out of love of, of your job if you're always pushing through different steps on what it is that you want to achieve next, not just doing the grind every day. And like location was not a boundary for you, which should be, you know, inspiring to other people because you were sort of saying, look, I want to be at the zoo and doing the entertainment sort of side of things. And you were saying that from Aubrey, yeah. looking up to the Sunshine Coast. So if somebody's thinking, hey, I'd really love to specialise for a few years and, you know, go sure. into that, then, you know, just because you live in a regional area without a specialist clinic or you might want to do emergency and critical care, but you can look to anywhere that's doing yeah. that. Save up your money, go do a week volunteering, see if you like it. And, exactly. and I also think that having, um, having a break from from nursing even if it's like concurrently as you're working you know even if it's just having that side hustle or that other part-time job keep you fresh keep it so that you can love it and not just be like I mean it's always great to have friends in the industry don't get me wrong like that have the same interests um but I guess that's the one thing this will probably answer your toxic question um everybody in our practice has something else going on in their life and Mm. I think it's really important to um, connect in a different way other than vet nursing mm. um, I actually I don't think it's that healthy to go out and only talk about 
vet nursing mm. or um, what that client did or, you know, what that – and that was very toxic within the zoo. Um, it was very just much a zoo bubble. Yeah. Um, and that's all everybody knew and that's all you hung out with, which is great, but sometimes you just need that that other little bit of something-something going on in your mm. life to keep yourself – loving what you do yeah and then for all of the nurses that I see writing on writing on um comments in various vet nursing social media groups like if you thought about leaving vet nursing what would you leave and do like you don't necessarily need to leave and get a totally new career you might just need to leave and get a part-time job or a side hustle or just get some balance exactly yeah Yeah, definitely yeah and what advice would you give to a student vet nurse struggling with their studies yeah well that that was me um I am not a books person I'm not a nerd as you say that you're a matter <laughs> um I I don't really do well with studying at all um so like I said like I found podcasts in my life and mm. um and learnt from that listening mm-hmm. to that um I learnt how to be more hands-on in things um and learnt from that mm. so I think you really have to identify what you what you are good at and don't be afraid to um to talk out loud about what you're good at or what you're not so good at. Mm. A lot of people hide their weaknesses and their strengths because they think they're boasting or because they're embarrassed about their weaknesses, whereas I'm very open about mine. I never used to be. Um, I thought that I was really stupid and didn't understood, didn't understand that um, I'm never going to be able to be a surgical nurse because I don't understand, um, you know, how to calculate the drugs or... Um, the animal's too deep how do I get them out of that situation Mm. and it honestly just comes down to talking out loud to Mm. vets and nurses Mm -hmm. and if they want to think that you're that was a stupid question or that was you know you should know better than that then fine but if you can't tell me the answer then how am I supposed to learn from that Um, so yeah I think the biggest thing is identify your strengths identify your weaknesses and work on your strengths because that's what's going to teach you and get you through your studies um I mean I failed surgery about three times on my um theory side Mm. on my practical side I passed with flying colors Mm, mm. um on my theory side I just couldn't put it on paper so finding out how you can make your theory side a bit more practical even yeah yeah so um I ended up talking with one of my uh, my practice manager at the time and um, the teacher and she decided to um, let me do a video and she came down and did uh, like an observation thing at one thing that I just couldn't mm. couldn't pass or she couldn't pass me mm. on that paper assessment or whatever it was that I did and they ended up passing me that way because I did it everything that I did was was correct and mm. I just couldn't put it in an assessment mm. in an assessment term so there are ways that you can definitely get through and, and never think that you're Um, you're stupid or you're not good enough to be a vet nurse or even a vet for that matter yeah it is really important to communicate with people around you about how you best learn and take things in too or they will just think that you're stupid like often Matt will start telling me something and I'll be like whoa 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 hang on hang on hang on and I have to get a pen and paper and I almost have to put like a flow chart or a mud map for anything I'm trying to understand I have to look at it because it just doesn't go in yeah and then I can point to it and go okay so this is related to this and like it might be about anything it might be about something really simple but I just have to visualize it so I agree knowing your strengths and um, working to those is is good advice so 
I can never be a nurse that calculates fluid rates and stuff either. It hurts oh, my head. no, fluid rates, are, that's just... if Even when um, trainees come in or they're coming from a TAFE and they're asking about fluid rates, I'm like, okay, so watch me. This is what I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then go talk to the vet when yeah. you want to ask all your, yeah. your, your questions and everything yeah. else. And they learn from that. Like, that's, yeah. that's great. They write down everything that I'm doing. Yeah, which yeah. Is, yeah, which is important. Yeah. And I think it is really important that you touched on but the way I would phrase it is not having an ego like not being afraid to to ask and you know I was just at the VNCA um asking um various nurses like oh what do you use to wrap your kits in because we've just changed um to all disposable stuff and polypropylene and then I went up to um Harry at the Australian College of Vet Nursing Desk and I was like Harry can you show me how to wrap a kit and like (laughs) I was like I know that's really basic but I know how we wrapped kits when we were using non-disposable drapes but now I need to know how to wrap a kit and she's like hey basics are great like always go back to basics so some of the girls that are coming from TAFE are teaching me new things they're like oh they told us that this was wrong and that we should be using this for scrub or this for kits yeah like okay well that must be the new way to do things yeah, now like, let's do it yeah things change all yeah. the time yeah, so you can't be afraid to look stupid yeah <laughs> and I, I get and that's another thing like with with the zoo too I guess if you're not just vet nursing you know in the zoo industry I didn't know anything like yeah. I come from vet nursing and mm. everyone you know thought I was on a pedestal because I know you know the medicine side a bit more than everybody else um, whereas some of the guys from the zoo were just really um, raw and young kids that just volunteered and now they've got a job and now they're just a zookeeper. Mm. Um, so I guess when it come to an animal being sick, I I could really tell that that was my strength and I could really tell that that animal just wasn't right or you know it needed more food or it needed less or whatever it may be. Um, but other things and you know learning about the animals and all the training aspects of mm. things all come from asking questions I mean like oh well they do it this way I'm doing it this way but it works out to be the same or, yeah you know just yeah asking questions yeah excellent don't be afraid to look like a goose and are there any bad or old recommendations that you hear as a vet nurse that you think could be replaced with more useful or modern information <laughs> I'm like the worst person to ask that to I feel because I feel like like I'm an old school nurse <laughs> yeah I'm like, you're I'm- like look at that x-ray machine <laughs> you don't have to dunk anything <laughs> And because I guess my vet, um, Arthur, back in Aubrey at Hume, he was super old school and I actually got, um, I was actually his nurse at one point um, and just worked with him every day when he was sort of trying to retire. Um, So I pretty much just did everything with him. So everything was very old school and mind you, I didn't like a lot of it, but I just, we just did it because that's the way he did things. Um, So I guess, you know coming to Noosa Village Vet after having five years off nursing and feeling fresh again, everything was modern and amazing and, um, yeah, but in saying that, nothing really changed either. Nothing has really changed hugely. Mm. Um, were, you, just... were you shaking, were you flinging neonates in Aubrey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're not flinging neonates now? Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, that's probably the biggest that's thing. That's a biggie, hey. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was the one thing. I was like, what do you mean, Pete? Like, I thought we just shook them and, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's how they wake up. That's how they come to life. Like, yeah, just rub shake and them, yeah. shake Swing, swing. swing. <laughs> oh, that's I so know. funny. When we first opened, Matt had been working with old school vets and old school nurses in, like, regional areas without exposure to CPD. And so he was like, oh, well, the nurses know what 
to do and they were still flinging. So when we first opened, the nurses were flinging the neonates. And I'm like, this is barbaric when I was watching. But like, oh, well, I guess that's what you do. And then when I went to my first conference, one of the lectures I went to was um, was on neonate resuscitation. And it was like, don't fling the neonate. And I was like, oh, my God, we have to stop doing that. And then I went back home and I ended up writing an assignment that I had um, for my diploma, which was a lit review. I ended up doing it on neonate resuscitation because when I went back and tried to tell Matt I tried to point in my textbooks where it says don't fling but my textbooks still said fling the neonate and they were only a year or two old and so I was like Matt this is crazy like the Mm. books are still saying fling them but obviously all this research is saying don't like you're going to give them brain damage and Uh drop them and stuff so yeah I did my lit review on that and ended up submitting it to the AVNJ for publication because I was like I'm sure there must be so many people still still swinging neonates around and we need to stop that yeah well when you have your baby you have to remember to give them a little swing and (laughs) get them to life (laughs) as I was being wheeled into the theatre to have my son after a day and a half of labour that failed to progress I was like out of it and my husband was like because um, they, you know, had the resus team there if needed. Yeah. And, and my husband was like, did you know that Kat just uh, got published for her article on neonate <laughs> resuscitation? And Perfect like, timing. Oh, that's great. And I'm like, of puppies and kittens, people. Like, <laughs> not humans. Not humans. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, my son came out uh, pink and apgartan. So, <laughs> okay. yeah, he didn't need any flinging. Good. <laughs> uh, excellent. And in what ways do you look after your mental well-being and prevent compassion fatigue? Yeah, um, I guess we've we've definitely spoken about that throughout the whole um, podcast, but it's definitely um, listening to my body and um, looking after my health and well-being, which is through exercise for me, um, taking a moment to myself every now and then, um, which is for me the drive up here um, and listening to something that's going to really motivate me or um, – let me sort of relate to my life and whether or not I'm doing it right or what I'm doing wrong or um so that definitely keeps my um compassion in the vet world um because like I said it, it it's really easy to um to start hating on you know animals and people mm. and, and and hating that sort of mm-hmm. vet feel and getting toxic mm. um so I think having your own animals at home um I have a duck as well, by the way. It's oh, two, Cheese and Kevin. Awesome um, names. So, yeah, and, and a dog. And they're my little escape from, from vet nursing. Obviously, we have to do what we need to do with our dogs and do all that. But um, looking after your own animals and, and looking after yourself and just giving yourself that sort of moment to chill out every now and then and not be so involved in the um in your work Mm. letting yourself come home and and want to hang out with your animals and not letting it be Mm -hmm. a a job or chore yeah um i think helps keep your mind fresh and and the other career that you found is you found something that you love doing so even though you're getting up and starting work and working before and after your nursing it's not like you're going off and working in a call center and no um, no. trying to sell people's insurance or something exactly (laughs) and you know don't get me wrong I a lot of people like how do you you know do what you do every day and how do you stay so happy and and sometimes I don't like I sometimes I get up at 5am and I'm just hating life and I don't want to get up at all and train anybody but um, I was actually speaking to my husband last night on how good I feel after I do a like a, a step routine or um, workout, you know, 
um, run a, a really pumped up group or something like mm. that. When I get there, I'm like, oh, I'm so drained. I just don't know how I'm going to do this. Mm. And I connect with somebody or, or the whole group or have this really cool vibe and atmosphere going on. Nothing can actually um, get in my way or, you know, bring me down from that moment as mm. I walk out of that room um, mm-hmm. and everybody walks out happy and all vibrant and, and feel great from exercise. Like it's coming in, you don't want to do something and, and changing that. And, and energy is a decision as well. So mm. I think that if you can change your energy around um, to want to do something or, or, you know, make something positive or happy in your day or eat something that you like or whatever mm. it might be um, or talk to somebody that makes you happy, mm. then you can really turn your day around. It doesn't have to always be gloom and and you know depressing and even that brings me to like euthanasias and things um we have to really uh i don't think that a lot of nurses take euthanasias like home with them you know they don't really um get too affected by them but definitely some do when they're Mm. first coming into it as Mm. well um that was the one thing that i really noticed um when i came back from when I came straight into nursing again from the zoo, um, I felt for them again. Whereas when I was vet nursing um, for like on my sixth year down in Aubrey, I knew that I was getting bitter and I needed to leave. I needed to do that this zoo. I needed to just get out of nursing is when I didn't actually feel anything for that poor animal that was Mm. just getting put to sleep. In that moment, I was like, that's not okay. Like Mm, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. I feel bit like I'm not bitter about it, but I just didn't have that um, sadness. And you don't have to be sad, but you do want to feel for the owner and the animal, and 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 reassure them that they're doing the right thing, and and be that shoulder for them. Um, so I think when I realised that I needed to get out, changed my job. When I realised, you know, it was a toxic environment at the zoo, I needed to get back into nursing, and and. That's just it. Finding yeah. a side hustle and getting and back in a different back way. In. Yeah. 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 And that's like textbook compassion fatigue, what you're describing as well of like, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, this should be making me sad. But I just kind of am thinking, I can't believe we booked a euthanasia at quarter to five. How are we going to get the floors done? Or yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It can get like that. It and you're does. like, and it's stop. okay to, to feel that way sometimes. Like, you know, you have your own life as well. Mm. Um, and, and trust me, like I need to get out at a certain time mm. to get to the gym to do a workout Mm -hmm. and I have had cases where I've had to do a euthanasia and I've had to go to the gym and then motivate people like I felt really a bit funny about that um and again I just had to really dive deep into my own thoughts and just not let stuff like that get to me and Mm -hmm. turn on a good beat or something like that just to feel like okay well it's okay to be sad for them yeah yeah um and how am I going to now motivate people People, to change their life and get excited and exercise and feel good about themselves and I think with group fitness now that I think about it you've found your like it's another entertainment thing almost like it's performing and it's getting your energy and getting taking them like on a journey and it's like it's it's entertainment again that's that and definitely that's exactly why I can do vet nursing and PT and that's why it works so well together yeah um because I really and that's that's the same with the zoo too like I was Mm. performing every day Mm -hmm. that it wasn't performing anymore it was getting very um 
I was getting real toxic about it and, mm. you know, I'm not performing to my best ability anymore because I'm just feeling stale, yeah. yeah. So maybe, you know, if I was doing a little bit more PT during mm. the zoo, I could have changed it around. Yeah. Um, or doing, you know, my gunner fit clothing yeah. label or something like something that. Something for yourself. Um, yeah, you, you just – my PT or my groups is when I'm – I'm at my element because yeah. I'm just performing, I'm entertaining, I'm exciting people and, yeah. and I'm seeing the smiles on their faces and sweaty and I love that. And um, yeah. And that's the fake it till you make it that you sort of mentioned before. Like yeah. I know what you mean because when we used to, when we were touring a lot, sometimes our, our time would be like, 11 12 or 1 a.m like yeah. 11 p.m 12 12 a.m 1 a.m would be when we were performing and we would have arrived wherever we flew to at like 11 go and sound check around lunch yeah. head back like try and have a nap or whatever and sometimes like my I would I would have a sleep and wake up with my alarm going off at 9 p.m or something and just thinking like what am I doing yeah and have to like get ready and put my makeup on and just like get myself hyped up for a show and we were like a really big um energetic nine piece reggae dub like double trombone double drum kit like (laughs) massive band and like and I was like the front woman and I had to kind of bounce around and be high energy and singing (laughs) and sometimes I'd be like I just kind of want to go to bed and read a book like I've been doing this for 10 years like I want a Saturday night um but when I'd get on stage like I would I would forget all I wouldn't be faking it anymore it would be happening and then you're like buzzing when you get off the stage so I think doing those things that you are you're accountable to other people and then you're like um well we're gonna make it happen and then you just totally turn your energy around and and then I'd be like I never want to stop this I can do this forever (laughs) and that's how I ended up touring for 10 years until like you I was like yeah "Yeah, I'm just beginning to like dread showing up to music festivals I look at a music festival and think I cannot go in there like and I used to love them so I think it's important to listen to yourself and when you're beginning to hate something go might be time to move on yeah yeah or find something to help you move through it yep and change it up yeah yeah whether it's where you work or or your balance and if you ever feel overwhelmed about life or work what do you do um well I guess I've had a few little (laughs) breakdowns um recently not really recently just on and off for the last sort of year I guess um but I what I did just get married not too long ago That's so stressful. yeah so I chucked a wedding in there on top of everything else that yeah, I was doing launch my clothing yeah. line work three two, so, two three slots a day exactly um so I guess that's where like the first sort of breakdown came along but now um oh, look it really is talking out loud to to people like I'm really I've learned to be very honest um about how I'm feeling or um talk to Pete you know if I'm doing too much um Josh in at the gym or Lee as well my husband um and just sort of tell them you know I'm I need to cut back this or I need to I'm not coping with this and it might not even be the fact that you know you drop shifts or you drop workload it's just a matter of talking to somebody and um somebody saying well maybe you need to fix this part in your life or you know just take one day for yourself or I've never actually realized how important it was and my mum always um reminded me and told me this to just take when you have a day off actually take that day off for yourself and do something like that you and your partner want to do together or um you know and that for us might be going out for lunch or going on a date or climbing a mountain or something like that and it's still active and it's still moving um and people like why can't you just sit still like just sit still but it makes me fit it 
while it's still moving in activity, it makes me feel better about myself. Um, it makes me sane still, really. Yeah. yeah. I guess. Did that answer that question? Yeah, and it's what, it's what gives you your energy. Someone might just want to Netflix and veg all day. but Oh, trust me, I like to do that too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, that that totally answered. I think just having a, a just a, an honest chat and a sympathetic ear sometimes can be all you need to reset. And, yeah. And yep. yeah, have somebody go, yep, you're doing heaps. Just yeah, chill out. Just chill out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and trust me, a lot of people do say that to me as well, which reminds me to chill out. But yeah. to be honest, I don't think um, – I don't think I want to ever stop doing a lot. Like I don't think I would ever be one person, even when I do have a baby and things like that, I'll still be, you know, I'll still have my clothing line to pump and do that. And I'll always find something to be, to be, yeah and some people are always like that like you were probably when you're going through school doing multiple sports and multiple extracurricular things. And so was I. And when I had my son, I'm like, maybe I'll have a podcast like (laughs) what can I add to having a newborn yeah exactly (laughs) and it's not like you're doing more than that the person next to you or you're better than anybody else it's just that's the way that I live my life yeah same yeah yeah. just be true to that I think yeah and what is the main area of our industry that you think needs attention or improvement um this definitely um I think social and communication um, I think the biggest thing, um, and I, I don't mean to bag on vets at all, but um, a lot of nurses even and vets, they don't really have great communication and that's what makes a good vet and a good nurse is um, you can, like I said previously, you can love an animal all with all of your heart and you can treat it and that's some of really like people work need to work together. Um, and you know, we might have a nurse that's really great at doing, putting a dog on a drip and making sure they're super comfy and we don't get any kinks in the drip and all the, has all of the drugs that it needs and whatnot. But if you're not communicating properly with your staff or, um, your clients, then it's, you're, you're going to fail at pretty much everything you do at life, I think is communication and, and socializing well and being able to talk to people. Um, in saying that me and my husband probably have like the worst communication ever like I'm like are we going out for dinner tonight or are we like oh no I booked this person in and we're going here and all of a sudden we're like double booked um, but you know we, we probably make it work most of the time we're like okay we'll go for that for dinner and then we'll go for drinks with these guys and yeah um you know but yeah. it's definitely um yeah being being a being social I, I mean mm. I love being social I love mm. chatting with everybody so mm-hmm. when clients come into the clinic I might not want to talk to that client at all but um next minute we're having a 10 minute conversation and life's great yeah and I liked that in my interview with um Nat from uh Australian College of Vet Nursing she said sometimes when we're running ads for vet nurses we're you know saying you know must be able to um work proactively with minimal supervision and must love animals and you know but she said well really we should be saying must love people yeah um, because absolutely. yeah it's such a big part of the job is working with the clients and I think another part it's of an the, added bonus that we get to cuddle the dog exactly the <laughs> yeah and knowing how to communicate with clients based on what they know like I've seen I see some people communicate with clients as though they have a certificate for in vet yeah. nursing and 10 years of experience in selling exactly. over-the-counter I, products and using jargon and whatever I'm like whoa 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 let's break it down yeah like I I always like I would I would say to Pete you know talk to me 
um, in nurse terms, like yeah. I need to know what you're actually talking about. Yeah, yeah. And then from nurse terms, then we talk to people even, you know, you don't dumb anything down, but yeah. you need to be able to, to communicate. And I, I guess that's, um, I I mean, I've been brought up like that, but I um, the PT side has really like you have to know and when we don't stereotype or we don't judge mm. people but uh, you, do, <laughs> you do you do judge people whether you think so or not you yeah. as soon as that person walks in the door like lee or myself or whoever would know like okay they're gonna train with ricky because you can just tell her body language she wants yeah. a female or, yeah yeah um she wants somebody really hyperactive and, mm. and out there or you know, or she wants a good cop or yeah. she wants a, someone, a yeah. commander or whatever yeah, it might yeah, be. Yeah. It's the exact same everywhere else mm. in the nurse. Like someone could walk to the door and you could just look at their dog though and yeah. be like, okay, we know what you're like because of yeah. what your dog's like. Or yeah, yeah. And it's important to, and I know what you mean, you're not judging them but you, and you're not pigeonholing them, but you're doing something you along the lines. <laughs> yeah. And you have to, to you know, to, yeah. I'm not going to recommend um, straight away the, yeah. the top shelf um, combination of yep. parasite preventions and shampoos because I'm just, they're just going to walk out the door down. and they're yep. not going to get anything. So, and I'm also not going to think, oh, they don't have the money for that and not mention that. I'm just yep. going to start though um, at the, at you know, the lower end. And I'm also going to, to say, you know, and it's totally fine if you use that one. I mean, yeah. you can then go on to these ones. But also, this is perfectly good if you're willing to yeah. do daily searches and blah, blah, blah. And you look like you could do that. So, yeah. it's important to make people feel comfortable if they are going for the lower um, end of the scale yeah. and not judging them. Because it, uh, if, if you judge them and make them feel bad, they're just going to walk out and that animal's going to get nothing. Yeah. Um, and everybody's got their own financial limits and some people have got to pay bills and feed kids and, you know, whatever and you got to do. some people just want a connection with the... Like a lot of people look for um, networking and connections with their vet or their, mm. their vet clinic or mm. their PT or whatever it may be. They always want to have a connection with that person that, you know, they're either paying money to um, or they're having trust in you too, that you've got their best interest at heart. And that's um, where both of my jobs or all of my jobs um, come together nicely. I think all the time I'm always looking for what's best for that person and the animal and what's best for you as your well-being and your health so mm-hmm. um yeah so two seemingly different things can really actually knit together very nicely if, yeah. if you're being true to yourself in whatever those Absolutely. careers are and like we said at the beginning nobody is a vet nurse if they're not being true to themselves because exactly. it's not really like we're not here for the money no that's for definitely sure not. <laughs> we're not here for the like cruisy hours or the no. lack of stress so um, it's been awesome catching up with you and hearing about your side hustle and I do try and encourage people to have multiple outlets and multiple things that interest them and I yeah. just love seeing a go-getter. So when I saw your Instagram, which as I said, I'll put a link to, I'm like, yes, she's all <laughs> over it. This will be oh, awesome. Uh, just to finish up today, Ricky, if you could reach out and thank a mentor who's helped you in your career and personal development in the veterinary industry, who would it be and what would you say? Um. Oh, that's say that's another tough question. You got some good questions here, don't you? Um, <laughs> look, I would have to say, you know, Pete has given me um, a massive opportunity to vet nurse again, and I think as a vet, he's unreal, and as a person, great guy. Like we're we're good mates as well. So I'm really lucky to have him. But the biggest mentor I'd probably um, in in the um, industry would have to be Arthur Fronfelder. Um, he was my first vet. Um, he requested to work with me as his nurse. He was old school. He was, you know, a lot of wrong but a lot of right in the same way and his communication 
um, with, you know, uh, clients and he had so many clients was just crazy. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't know who was coming in or their name, but he would walk out and act like they were the best of mates and he knew them and all of their life story. And, um, (laughs) that was, yeah, for me, I think working with him, learning a lot through him, um, and also sort of struggling as well in my vet, vet nursing years when I first started out he was really good for me um Mm -hmm. as a boss Mm. um and yeah and then dealing with a little bit you know of strife and um a little bit harder sort of situations at the zoo Mm. um how I got myself out of that or you know how I dealt with things like that um yeah my biggest my my biggest mentor would have to be Arthur and and how he talked his way out of lots of things or so he set you up for that he set me up yeah definitely yeah, yeah for those but difficult situations yeah, yeah yeah um and you know he was he wasn't the easiest to work for either mm. so it was quite good on how to work a really really busy um life and and he had a busy life um on how to you know be successful as well and he definitely was successful and I guess a lot of people really want to be successful and that's what they strive to be and I definitely want to be successful but I think now doing what I'm doing um I already think I'm successful like I don't Mm. need a lot of money anymore to think that I am Mm. um where I live you know what we've achieved in the however many years we've achieved them is um is successful enough for me so I feel like Mm -hmm. yeah I've really set up a really good life Mm. here on Mm -hmm. the coast and um yeah yeah I think it's a picture of success too because I'm just looking out at the Noosa Beach and I can definitely say you work in paradise (laughs) and living in Maroochydore I think you live in paradise and you've still you've you've um achieved your dreams of working at the zoo yeah and you're still doing vet nursing so you've not given that up along the way and you've got a great crew and then you're also you know doing your own um, PT work and then you've got your your clothing line too so I think it's a really nice balanced picture I think I can see how much hard work has gone into achieving that, but I think it, it um, it's got to be worth it. Hey, looking around and going, we're here, we did it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, speaking speaking of actually the the whole mentor thing, um, my parents have definitely set that for all of our all of us kids. Like, yeah. um, they've probably been the biggest mentors in our life. Or, or, and you know, every kid, well, I I don't know if every kid says that, but. Mm. Um, looking at your parents and how successful they are and what they do in mm. their life is definitely um, why you want to achieve greatness too. And very proud of my go-getter life, I think. Yeah, for a girl <laughs> from Aubrey to be living on the Sunshine Coast and doing everything you're doing, yeah. you definitely had to have had parents that have gone, you can do it. Of course. Why yeah. couldn't you move into state to somewhere you've never seen and work in the bird show in the zoo? Like, why? <laughs> who wouldn't do that? Exactly, yeah. A lot no, of parents would be like, supportive. are you sure you don't want to go do accounting at uni and... <laughs> be sensible well that's another thing though too like they never pushed us or me into anything like it was you know you don't have to be a vet or you don't have to be a vet nurse or just Mm. because you love animals you know we're not going to push you in anything it was literally just this kid hasn't stopped bringing home an animal every day of her life like <laughs> I think she's going to end up working with yeah, them somewhere so I think there's something they just let that. you roll with it yeah, yeah that's it I have my bird fix so they're my they're my two little 
duckies then I get my bird yeah, fix so it's good that's awesome you still yeah. and I hope that you're training them to do a little show for... oh yeah they're, pre- they're pretty cute actually they're pretty naughty to be yeah. honest not surprised <laughs> <laughs> all right well it's been awesome catching up with you and I can't wait to do a walk through tomorrow and see yeah, where you work can't wait to have you. and for everyone to see what you're doing and thanks for joining us on Radio Venice thanks so much Kat cheers Thanks for listening to Radio Fitness, the podcast. To help us make more free episodes, subscribe and leave a review. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Radio Fitness or drop in at radiovetness.com.